0: Welcome to the Hills Baptist Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us as we see Jesus glorified, lives transformed and hope revealed in the Adelaide Hills and beyond. We hope you enjoy this message. Um, My name's Talia and today I'm going to be doing the Bible reading. And the passage today is from Matthew 7 verses 1 to 5. And then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Thank you, Talia. Why don't you turn to the person next to you and say, Conflict is hard. (laughs) All right, that's more than what I told you to say. Conflict is hard. It's hard to deal with. It's hard to work through. It's, it's got challenging and difficult implications and impacts on relationships. Uh, you might be doing a presentation for school or uni, and uh, someone interrupts and asks a question that you don't know the answer to, and it makes you look like a fool. And there's a sense of oh, shame, like they made me look so stupid in front of the whole class. And so when it's time for them to have their presentation, you're trying to think, what could I ask to really stump them? <laughs> it's not from personal experience. This is <laughs> hypothetical. Conflict is hard. You walk into a room and there's two friends who are talking and a a close friend of yours and you go up to them to join them. But then your close friend gives you a weird look, like this kind of get out of here look. Like, where's this coming from? Aren't they your friend? Why are they looking at you so harshly and rudely? Do they not want you here? Has has something happened and and they don't like you anymore? Why would they be so harsh? What, would, what are they trying to cut you out of? And so you, you allow this, this anger towards them to, to build. And every time you see that person, you just get more and more annoyed at them. That tension builds. And they pick up on that tension and they start avoiding you and you're avoiding them. And soon this friendship is completely dissolved conflict is hard. You walk up to a job site, you've been given some instructions to to go to this place at this time and you get there and it's empty. There's no one there. There's been a miscommunication, you've been sent to the wrong place at the wrong time and you were relying on this income. And so you call out the boss, they apologise, you know, it was a simple mistake But you just jump onto the staff chat and you rip into them. How dare they get this wrong? Like, don't they know the impact it has on you? Conflict is hard. You can probably think of your own conflicts and experiences you've had in the past, or you might be going through at the moment. There's different types of conflict that you might experience. Uh, there's a difference of opinion or desire. Um, there might be an offence where someone does something to hurt you or offend you. Or it might be a miscommunication. And I, I wonder how much conflict could be sorted out if people just communicated better. That's not the point of the sermon. That's just a little bonus tip. But like miscommunication is, is very, very common. Conflict is everywhere. I did um, some training um, uh, during the week for, for Baptist churches around uh, domestic violence. And the stats of that is pretty pretty harsh and, and, and actually really sad, uh, the amount of um, violence that people use to control and to manipulate. And one of the things the trainer said is one of the reasons that people turn to, to – uh, control and and abuse to get their own ways because they they don 't know how to do conflict well they just don't know how to communicate they don 't know how to navigate a conflict they don 't know how to communicate and get what they want uh, and and reach a mutual decision so they use manipulation control violence um, verbal assault that 's horrible and the stats and the stats in inside the church aren't any better than outside the church. We're not good at conflict. Even um, thinking over the voice, the referendum in just a few weeks, there's there's a lot of different opinions around this topic. Even within this church and even within our staff and, and leadership, there's a lot of different opinions. And what we think on the matter is important, but I think what's causing more hurt is how people are holding their opinions. And we can see that across the country. And so as a country, I think we're we're not doing conflict very well. We've been traveling this journey of reconciliation with uh, our First Nations people, and there's so many gaps. Over the last couple of weeks, So. Um, two weeks ago, and then last week, a whole heap of us uh, did PeaceWise training. So some specific conflict resolution training to upskill ourselves to consider how we might do conflict well. Now, who was involved in PeaceWise training? It was a few from the evening. Also, props to the evening service, the most represented in the PeaceWise training. So obviously, we're going to be the most peaceful congregation of every congregation. Come on. Uh, But we wanted as a church to invest in this space and actually challenge ourselves to change our culture, that we might handle conflict well, that we we wouldn't let it um, fester and divide us and uh, disorientate us or debilitate us but as a community, let's do conflict well. So my goal for today and over the next two weeks is to give a bit of an overview of uh, the Peacewise training for those who weren't there, just to give, um, give us all some common language and understanding of how we as a church want to approach conflict. I don't sc- we'll just scrape the surface of how we might approach conflict, and we'll also see how applying the gospel Like the good news of Jesus Christ and his influence in our lives actually transforms our relationships. Conflict is the space that the gospel gets legs. That what Jesus did for us 2,000 years ago actually has an impact today. So that's what we want to do. Now, the world um, teaches a lot of things about conflict most of it, I'm not sure, is particularly helpful. I worked as an engineer and, and I did um, conflict res- resolution training through, through my workplace. And all it, all it was really is how to get uh, the best result for you out of a negotiated, negotiation, out of a conflict. It was only concerned with the material issues of a conflict didn't actually equip equip me in any way of how to resolve a relationship. So in in a conflict, we might get resolution, but we don't get reconciliation. Uh, We also have our own natural ways that we keep finding ourselves responding to conflict. Like, we probably all know the right thing we should do, generally, but we rarely do that, don't we? Or maybe it's just me. But... When we, when we face a conflict, when there's heat, when there's challenge, when there's temptation, when there's uh, a hurt or, or an offence, there's, there's generally two natural ways that I respond or we, we respond. The first is escape responses. And that's to deny that there's any problem or to defer it to someone else. not my problem. I'll get someone else to sort this out. Or to flight, to escape, to flee the conflict, to get out of there. The other response is attack responses. When someone hurts you, you hurt them back. And that could be verbal assault or physical assault, could be like litigation or involving other people in to punish the person who hurt you. And at the extreme ends of attack responses is, is assault and is hurting other people, is murder in the extreme cases. But then also mixed in with that is, is, is attack responses around gossiping and controlling people, manipulating people to get what you want out of a conflict, out of a negotiation. So there's, there's lots of ways that we can respond to conflict, but what's God's way? How does, how does the Bible equip us to navigate in those murky waters of conflict? There is a way, and that's where um, like Peacewise shows a great path forward. And the book that it's kind of based around is this book, The Peacemaker by Ken Sandy. Now, Ken Sandy was a Christian lawyer, and he got fed up by all the Christians who were taking each other to court and, and treating each other pretty horribly. So he did a lot of research, did a lot of thinking, and wrote this excellent book. But really just unpacking what's the biblical process of, of dealing with conflict, of responding to the challenges and the heat that life shines on us and and, and we're affected by. Now, to some, conflict is just a problem to get over, uh, is a distraction from, from our main mission. For others, conflict can be debilitating. And uh, to, to deal with this is just so oppressive and the, the relational fallout is just so that it can completely cripple us. But for the Christian, and what God portrays in conflict, conflict is is not a hurdle to get over or a distraction. It's an opportunity. It's an opportunity for us to glorify God, to actually put God in his rightful place as King and Lord over everything. Everything. It's an opportunity for us to serve the other person, to not actually figure out how can we get our way, but how can we actually work and serve and bless this other person that we're having a conflict with. It's also an opportunity for us to grow, for God to refine us and uh, get rid of some of those parts of our lives that were were becoming more prickly and and refine us to be more and more like Jesus. And so the Peacewise Principles, um, oh, I forgot the clicker. That's right. right, I'll rely on Nick's very excellent. And uh, no, actually, I will grab the clicker. It's a bit complicated in places. This is no offense to Nick, and we'll sort this conflict out a little later. <laughs> um, already resolved. So the biblical approach to conflict it's kind of four principles. There's God, there's me, you, and us. This is called the the Peacewise Pizza. Great for kids and youth to kind of remember that. This is this is from Peacewise Kids. There's God, me, you, and us. Um, the first principle is God. We put God first. Another way, another way is put is glorify God. There's the four Gs, glorify God. Every conflict is an opportunity to bring God glory. There's a higher power at work that's bigger than me, bigger than you, bigger than this issue that we're dealing with. We can glorify God. The second part is me or get the log out of my own eye. We'll come back to that. And this is, this is about owning my part, taking responsibility for my part in this conflict. And we're going to spend more time today thinking about that. Then there's you, actually equipping ourselves to go and gently restore, to have a restorative conversation and raise these, these issues with other people and, and have those hard conversations. And the last one is us go and be reconciled, recognizing that, you know, in conflicts there might be material issues and material problems that need to be sorted, but even more important than that is the relationship. We want reconciliation, not just resolutions, and so seeking to have the relationship restored and today, like I said, we're going to focus on the me part, owning my own part. And that's what the passage that Talia read before it was all about. Owning our part, uh, reflecting ourselves, getting the log out of our own eye. Now, why is conflict so hard? Because of me and because of you. Conflict is hard. It's because it's a battle of what goes on in our hearts. So we're going to, today we'll look at the heart of conflict and why it's so hard. And then next week we'll look at forgiveness and why forgiveness is so hard. But how God's forgiveness enables us to forgive others. And this is deep work. Like This is tricky stuff. And I just want to put that out there. And I'm not coming in as someone who's got it all together and figured out the perfect way to do conflict. And I don't have any conflict problems anymore because I, I'm, I'm an... No way. Like I'm coming as someone who really struggles with conflict. I really struggle with how I respond to conflict. I'm still learning. I'm still growing. I'm still messing up. But what I want to do today is, is put forward what the Bible says about how we approach conflict, what Jesus has to say on this topic. And I want to submit to that. And I want all of us to submit to that together. So we heard uh, Matthew 7, 1 to 5, read early. And maybe you've heard that passage before. It's a pretty popular passage talking about uh, specks and planks. And I thought to um, really get this in our heads, we might do a little role play. So could I have a volunteer? We we've, we've volunteered, Joe. Thank you, Charlie. <laughs> you can sort out of that conflict later. Now, Joe... We're good mates, and I, I really love you. Um, but there's something that I've, I've, I've wanted to help you with and correct in your life. Uh, there's this little speck in your eye, and I can see it, and it's bugging me a lot, and I reckon I can get it out. But what I need to do first is just get my eye surgery glasses All right, here we go. So uh, what I'm going to do now is attempt to uh, get log of, uh, sorry, the spec out of Joe's Oh, I don't have any logs. There's no problem. So what I'll do is I'll do, <laughs> get it here. No, I won't. <laughs> Thank you. That's very good. All right. Yeah, yeah, come on. You get the point. How ridiculous it would be for someone who's got a plank in their eye to go and do eye surgery on someone else? How much more damage would be caused by the person with the plank in their eye? And if this person goes around thinking that uh, they don't have a a plank and there's nothing wrong, they'll keep walking around with this big plank and knocking people over and again and again, coming into the same problems, same conflicts uh, that just doesn't seem to resolve or just keeps recurring again and again and again. And it speaks to something deep within us that we've got to sort out. As we approach a conflict and as there's, there's heat and problems and challenges and, and we're offended by other people and we want to go and correct it, there's stuff we need to do in our own selves first, in our own, in our own hearts. Jesus says, First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you'll be able to see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So the first thing we need to do is take the plank out of our own eye. Now, How do we do that? That seems like quite significant work. Now, when Jesus talks about Eyes is actually a Jewish uh, symbol for the desires, uh, the things that we look to and long for. Uh, He refers to that earlier in six, chapter six. But when when he talks about a plank in an eye, it's like this illusion that there's something deep within us that's causing us to respond in a certain way. James four, verse one and two says, "What causes quarrels and conflicts within you? Is it not the desires of your heart?" You want, but you don't have it, so you kill. It's quite dramatic, but it, it suggests that what causes the conflicts, and, and not so much the conflicts, but our, our, our bad responses to conflicts, is the desires and the things deep within, uh, within us that are ruling our hearts. And Peacewise describes this as the progression of an idol how it talks about is when a desire, and a desire might be for a good thing, like the desire uh, to get to a job site and work and get some income. That's a good desire. The desire to connect with a friend. That's a good desire. The desire uh, to to do a great presentation and, and to do well. That's a good desire. But when that desire becomes a demand, it starts to rule us. Is there's deeper things going on. And, and when that demand is not met, that produces negative emotions like fear or anger, shame, bitterness, anxiety, stress, despair, depression. When we go, we don't get what word we demand. That, that causes these negative emotions to brew and fester within us. And because of those negative emotions, that drives us to judge the other people. Like, how dare that person interrupt my presentation? How dare that person ignore me? How dare my boss give me the wrong information? We make judgments. We make judgment calls on the people that are hurting us and we're in conflict with. And from that, we punish. We enter into those attack responses or the escape responses. And so what causes these these negative responses to conflict is the desires that are ruling over our hearts. When there's heat or challenge or temptation or things happening outside of our control, how do we respond? How do we respond to that? How we respond is driven by what rules over our hearts. And that could be pride or greed or fear. Pride that makes me want to fight back to being shamed. How dare that person uh, affect my pride and make make me look less than I actually am. I want to build myself up and this person tore, tore me down. It's the fear of being rejected that drives me to create this distance with my friend. They, they, they brushed me off and rejected me. And I don't want that. I want to be accepted. I want to be known and loved. And I'm afraid of losing that. So I'm just going to create distance between us so that I don't get rejected. As greed that drives me to punish my boss for depriving me of that income opportunity. What rules our hearts determines how we respond. And that leads to consequences. That leads to relationships falling out. Now, maybe there's something that's, that's happened even in those three scenarios or, or in your own life where you've been hurt. You've been hurt by the actions of other people. People, things done against you, um. and that hurt is real, and we'll talk about what to do with that, but I wonder how does it hurt so much because we're putting so much expectation on other people that if we're turning to our friends, our family, our spouses, uh, our um, girlfriend or boyfriend or whoever to meet our desires... And to live up to our expectations will constantly be disappointed. No one here can live up to the expectations we put on each other. No one here can live up to the expectations we put on ourselves. And when, when they don't, we judge and we punish each other. Because we're responding in a way that's being driven by Pride or greed or fear. Now, there must be a better way to respond to conflict. There must be a a better way than trying to hold on to this big plank, these desires, these idols in our heart and keep responding again and again. And Peacewise uh, shows a a different way to respond Uh, is when we have a desire instead of having that desire rule over us, we submit it to Jesus. We have our hearts ruled over by Jesus. And so when our hearts are ruled by Jesus, when we have a desire, we ask him. In Matthew 7, verse 7, it says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. When we have a desire, we can bring that to Jesus. Look to him to meet that need rather than the other people in our lives. And even when it do, things don't go our way and when we don't get what we want and that desire is not met, there's still emotions that come up. And those emotions are okay. It's okay to feel sad when, when you don't get your way, but it's where do we take those emotions? Uh, in the Old Testament, there's this book called Job, all about this character called Job, where there's constantly bad stuff happening to him. He he's quite a rich person, but then all like his house burns down, all his uh, his family dies, all of his livestock die. He becomes in, intensely sick, and he he grieves. He he prays, and he goes all out. Um crying out to God how dare God treat me like this and he keeps coming back to God and praying and praying and his his friends say it's because you've messed things up and you sin and he's not so sure but he keeps coming to God and, and and some of his prayer prayers are really dark and like I would I would never think it would be okay to say those kind of things to God. And yet here they are in Scripture. And what's really interesting is at the end of the book, God actually responds to Job. After all this prayer, about 39 chapters of of Job's prayer, then in 40, God responds. And he actually affirms Job for bringing all this negative emotion to him. In fact, he says to to Job's friends who've been hanging out with him, Get Job to pray for you because Job uh, prays really well. And so get Job to pray for you. And you read these prayers and you're like, what? He's just constantly complaining and and lamenting and whining about his horrible position. But the, the key thing is that he's bringing that to God. He's he's laying that before his heavenly father. And he's honest about how he's feeling and bringing that to God. Rather than letting it fester and turning him bitter, he's bringing it to God and grieving with God rather than grieving against God. And so there is a place uh, for emotion and to grieve what we've lost. And the next step is to accept that God is sovereign and in control and trust God in his provision and and trust in the situation we find ourselves in. In this conflict, we're not getting what we want. We can find acceptance from God. And out of acceptance, we turn to obedience. We take the necessary steps to make peace in obedience. And so when Jesus rules our hearts, it's the love of Christ that drives how we respond to things. So instead of uh, responding with attack or escape, we can actually make the effort to make peace with people. Because where we're trying to meet those desires is not in the outcome of this conflict, but in the, from the provision of our Heavenly Father. No one can live up to the expectations we put on each other. But God can, God does, far beyond what we can imagine. So how, how can we change? How can we move from a heart ruled by fear and pride and greed to a heart ruled by Jesus? How do we take this plank out of our eye? How do we remove this big problem in our hearts? And the answer is we can't, but Jesus does. We can't, but Jesus does. How do we move from a heart of stone to a a living heart ruled by Jesus? It's through the work he did on the cross. Jesus came and he entered into the world and he lived a perfect life. And he died and rose again so that we could be forgiven. So that all this this brokenness within us, this pride, this fear, this greed that we're harboring and we keep feeding in our own hearts, we might be forgiven and set free from that. And by being forgiven and set free, we're now ruled by the one who set us free. By Jesus And so how do we take the log out of our own eye? We reflect. We're honest with ourselves. That's one thing this world and and society is not teaching us how to do, is self-reflection, taking time and space to be really honest with ourselves, identifying what's driving us, but taking the time to, to recognize that and to confess that Be honest about that with Jesus, bringing it to him and receiving forgiveness. Forgiveness. Those desires driven by fear, pride, greed, handing them over to God and looking to him to be fulfilled. And when we do that, when we come to Jesus, ask for forgiveness, God does forgive us and he gives us his Holy Spirit. God actually comes and enters in our hearts, and He does that work deep within us to change and transform us. So that in the place of pride, fear, and greed, we might receive faith, hope, and love. We're, we're given an identity that's not earned by living up to a certain standard, but is actually given to us. And we're saved and restored and made new, not based on our own effort but are based on the work that God has done for us. And so faith drives out pride. It's not about, no longer are we about building ourselves up and and pushing ourselves forward, but we find our identity in what God has done and what Jesus has done for us. So faith drives out pride. Hope drives out greed. We're given this promise of eternal life that one day Jesus will return and he will make all things right and we'll be able to dwell with him, live with him forever in eternity and have everything we need in a place where there will be no more crying, no more tears, no more pain, no more suffering, no more fear, pride or greed or any kind of sin or brokenness. God will restore the world and make it whole. And we have that hope. And if we have that hope, we don't need to hold on to so tightly the things of this world. And so hope drives out greed. And love drives out fear. Because God's love for us is fierce. He loves us more than we could ask or imagine. And He loves us, He will protect us. And there's nothing in this world that could separate us from the love of God. And so God's love drives out that fear. And so from that heart foundation of Jesus with faith and hope and love, we can respond with love, with with grace, with repentance. Taking the log out of our own eye is taking responsibility for what we've done in this conflict. Recognizing why we're getting so offended. Recognizing what we've done to hurt the other person. And taking ownership of that. And going and confessing that first to God. And receiving forgiveness. Which actually empowers us to be able to take that and confess it to the other person and ask for forgiveness from them. Taking ownership of our own stuff and asking for forgiveness is powerful. It's powerful. Now, I've got permission to share this story uh, because it's about my wife and a fight we had one time. It was the only time we've ever had a fight. No, that's not true. I'm not perfect. No one here is perfect. But Emily and I, one time it, we, we were fighting. We were very frustrated at each other. And I was, I was getting very angry and um, uh, it, things were just escalating. And I just felt like Emily wasn't listening to what I was saying. She didn't understand where I was coming from. And, and, and it was just getting worse and worse and worse. So eventually I just left. I had to get out of there. I had to, I had to de-stress and so I went outside, it was that night, I just walked around in our backyard just to kind of collect my thoughts. And I, um, and I, I, I kept on dwelling on how wrong Emily was and how right I was. And I kind of crafted this script in my head to be able to take back to Emily to definitively show her that I was right and she was wrong. She wasn't listening to me and she needs to apologize to me. And so after I kind of drafted this little speech uh, to bring to her, I went in, I went back in and back to our front room. And as soon as I entered the room, Emily said, Nick, I'm so sorry. And that apology just completely floored me. Because everything I had brought and prepared to, to, to tear her down was completely undermined because she owned that, she realized that, and she apologized for that. And so I had nothing to, to have against her, and all that left me with is everything that I had contributed to that conflict. And so I, um, I broke down and apologized, and we cried together. And it's this really powerful moment that Emily, being the more mature one in that interaction, as she often is, She was quick to recognize her own contribution, own it, deal with it with God, and then deal with it with me. Asking, apologizing, asking for forgiveness. And that, that transformed that whole conversation. That transformed the story of how we were interacting. Taking responsibility for our own contribution and getting our heart right. That's what Jesus is talking about when he says, get the log out of your own eye. And that will set you up to be able to bring that to other people and, and honestly confess and, and deal with that. And it leaves you exposed, right? To, to if, if you're in this conflict and you're in this hurt and in this whatever, and you recognize your own garbage and you go and confess that to someone else, there's, there's an element of um, shame involved in it. There's an element of exposing yourself. And that's risky. But when we make ourselves right with God, when we're driven by a heart ruled by Jesus, we don't need to worry about how we might be exposed, how we might be hurt by by coming and being honest about our own contribution because we know we are loved by God and He has forgiven us. And that puts us in a place where we can honestly and bravely take responsibility for our own stuff. It sets us up to be able to confess and gently restore and have those restorative conversations. Because if we come uh, to a restorative conversation and we haven't dealt with our own stuff, probably what's driving that is the desire for the other person to be punished rather than the desire for the other person to be restored. It also puts us in a place to be able to forgive puts us in a place where we might be able to forgive the other person. And that's hard work as well. And we're going to talk a lot more about that next week. Conflict itself is not bad. It's how we respond to it is what makes the difference. And conflict is an opportunity to glorify God, serve others, and to become more like Jesus. Because conflict identifies what's actually driving us? What's ruling over our hearts? Are we holding on to things out of fear or pride or greed? God wants us to let go of those things and to hold fast to Jesus and what he's done for us. We're going to finish up, uh, but I, I want to open up a space for response because there might be some deep conflicts that we're all going through. I imagine that everyone here on some level is going through some conflict and it might be really deep and, and, and a lot of hurt associated with that. I just want to call that out and recognize that and create a space uh, to bring that before Jesus, bring that to the cross. And maybe um, maybe we need heart surgery. The trouble with conflict is so hard is because I, the only person I have control over is myself and taking responsibility of my own stuff, myself. And that's hard. And that takes time. Like None of this is instant. None of this is instant. It takes time. It takes a journey. Uh, but what we're going to do, is uh, the band will come up and we'll, we'll sing, um, we'll respond in worship. I think some really helpful songs to keep us thinking about these things. Uh, but elders will be up at the front and the back, uh, ready to pray for anyone who wants prayer around conflict. You don't need to give the details. You can just come ask for prayer. And I might suggest, we don't normally tell people what to pray over people, but I might suggest uh, elders and, and pastors, partial care workers, uh, come equipped with 2 Corinthians five sixteen to 21 uh, to pray over people. And I'll read it here uh, to finish and as a prayer, and then we'll um, start worship. So 2 Corinthians 5, verse 16 says this, From now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. And all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, of restoring relationships. And that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. God took on our sin and brokenness and he dealt with it. He paid for it. And in its place, he gave us his righteousness. He gave us new hearts that are right before God. Let's pray and then we'll continue worship and continue this space of response. Heavenly Father, we just want to recognize that that conflict is really tough. We've said many times today. And it's very real and perhaps very real for lots of us tonight. And Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a God who doesn't just leave us alone or makes us sort it out ourselves, but your word has given us a framework, how we might respond to conflict and the heat and the challenges and the offense and the hurt that this world throws at us. You've given us tools and and ways to respond. And at the heart of it, that's all driven by the work that Jesus has done for us. That even though we wronged you, we hurt you, we rebelled against you, we got everything wrong and turned our own way and made ourselves king, you didn't punish us as we deserved. But out of love and mercy, you pursued us. You sent your Son to die the death we deserve. And He rose to life and gives us life that we don't deserve. New life. The old is gone, the new has come. And Lord, we pray that we would continue dwelling on that, that we continue make continuing to make that truth real again and again and again in our own lives. That You identify the places and the relationships where we are being ruled by greed or fear or pride or any other kind of thing. And Lord, we we submit that to You. We confess it. We ask for Your forgiveness. We ask for Your healing. We ask for your Holy Spirit to change our hearts because we know that our identity is in Christ, that you have provided us everything we might need, and that nothing can separate us from the love of God. We pray that Jesus would rule our hearts, and from that heart, we would respond with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control, that we might become more and more like Jesus in how we respond uh, to conflict, that You would transform our relationships. And may we be Your ambassadors of reconciliation, Your ambassadors of peace, and we would make peace in our our lives and in the lives of others. Because you said Jesus, blessed are the peacemakers, for they are the children of God. We pray this in Jesus' name, Amen. Thanks for listening to The Hills Baptist Podcast.